This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Finding the perfect project manager isn't easy. But at Upwork, we found him. He's in Adelaide. Between his color-coordinated sticky note collection and the cutest box lunch we have ever seen. And you can find him right now on Upwork.com. When the world is your workforce, finding the perfect project manager, designer, developer, or whomever you may need tends to fall right into place. Find top-rated talent who can start today on Upwork.com. Do you import and export goods in and out of the UK? If so, then look no further for all your logistics and freight forwarding needs than Lila International Logistics, owned and run by West Ham fans. Lila, that's L-I-L-A, International Logistics, provides businesses with affordable import and export rates for sending and receiving products anywhere around the world, whether it be by air freight, sea freight, courier or road freight. Lila provide a bespoke service for shipments so you ain't being passed between departments and you have a direct contact at all times 24-7 for shipments. Check out their website at www.lilalogistics.co.uk for more info. Listen to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself, Dave Walker, and XWHU employee. Another week where there is so much to talk about, including the phenomenal night in Leon, followed by the slightly underwhelming day in Stratford. X will be giving us the latest news before we end the show with questions from patrons of the West Ham Way. X, so much to talk about again this week, including that euphoric night against Leon. But let's start with Burnley. Once again, we play a few days after a Thursday night, this time against a struggling team that have just lost their manager. Give us your thoughts on the performance and the result. Um, it was better than Brentford. I actually thought we played all right. Um, it wasn't great. It wasn't like our best performance. Obviously, nowhere near the Leon standards. But I actually thought we played all right. I thought we played all right up until that injury. I mean, the injury, like as much as it should have affected, I guess, Burnley more, really seemed to affect our momentum. And obviously they scored pretty much straight after that had all been, um, sort of, that had all been dealt with. And I just think it really affects our momentum. And, and we, we actually played well. We created a lot of chances. We just couldn't finish them. Our finishing was terrible. And you know, I, I, 
I feel frustrated because I think we played well enough to win that game. Obviously, they had a penalty, which they missed. So you could say, well, we got a bit lucky in that respect. But I think on the level of play, the performance was a lot better than it's been previously. Straight after Europe, the main factor that stopped us from winning that game was a, a lack of a, a goal scorer, really. I mean, we missed it. We missed countless amounts of chances. And I think that's the main problem, really, that. Yeah, I mean, the chances we missed, I mean, especially with Antonio, it was yeah, fucking exactly. painful, really, wasn't it? I mean, oh, it, that, it, was, yeah. it was a strange old game, though, and it? it was a strange old first half, because like you say, first you had the injury, which was terrible, and obviously everyone yeah. wishes him well, mm-hmm. um, and that was really bad, and it stopped the game for a while. But I don't know if you noticed, Dix, but then like a cluster of fans started to signal to the medics. Yes, yeah. Someone went down in the crowd, and then 10 minutes later, it happened again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. dropping like flies, and I don't. I mean, I'm assuming because I haven't seen anything anywhere that suggests that you know certain people were banging trouble on the back of what had happened or anything. So I don't actually know what happened to these people. Apparently, they just fainted. Is that is that right? Yeah, which I think this is what. I mean, I'd have to be a little bit careful what I say here, but it just seems a bit strange that this seems to have crept into football now. The minute someone feels ill, you signal to the pitch. Like, I'm not being funny, and obviously I, I'd hate to ever be in this situation myself, although I have actually been in this situation myself. My dad, a game at Upton Park, um, he started choking, and he couldn't breathe and was choking, and he was like, ran to go to the toilet, and then he collapsed in the... In the, in the um, What's it called? The t- concourse, and then all the Did he? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, this is about ten years ago, I reckon. And um, and then we um, and then a load of St John's ambulance just ran to him and were around him and looking after him in the concourse and stuff. And then he actually, <laughs> my dad recovered and went back and watched the second half and stuff. But like he, um, but when these things happened in the stand, I remember it happened. I remember being at a game where it happened. It was just kind of dealt with in the stand and the game just carried on and I'm not saying that morally that's the right thing to do because it must be awful you know if that's your relative or whatever it's happening to but I don't know why the new the common thing is now to signal to the pitch stopping the game doesn't save the person the same people still deal with the person in the ground I don't know. It seems to be a new thing that's happening a lot recently. It's happening quite a lot of the Premier League games, hasn't it, this season? Um, and it's, I don't know what happened. If the, if the people fainted, I'm glad that they're all okay. But it's, um, yeah, it's a bit of a strange thing to have stopped the game twice for that. Well, I think I think it's really in light of what's happened in recent times, isn't it? The sort of publicity behind heart attacks on the pitch, off the pitch. It's what you hear in the media, it's what you see. And I think people just panic. And the, the, the sort of good humanity in people just assume the worst and want to get people looked after really so i suppose you can't really blame it in that respect and i don't blame anyone for doing it it's just something that seems to start seems to have happened recently it's like a for want of a better word a, a new a new thing isn't it it's never happened in the past and it's happening regularly now mm, yeah i know yeah it's strange i mean from memory and i could be wrong x from memory i'm sure both people that we're talking about fainted or passed out or whatever you want to call it during that time the player was getting attention i think it was just as it was about to start up again wasn't it i think right so the game did get stopped again did it yeah yeah a couple of times it right. sort of delayed it a bit didn't it right but I, th- I think you're absolutely right up until then i thought we were the better side um a couple of chances jared bowen um great effort from him Nick Pope I thought was brilliant on the day two world-class saves from him by the way uh he was very difficult to get past 
But I do think we lost a bit of momentum on the back of that. And then it, obviously it could have got a lot worse, couldn't it, when they missed their penalty and thank God they did. And then obviously Big Tom scored the equaliser, didn't he? Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so, so I think in summary for me, it was another tired performance that lacked quality in the final third. Ben Rama, I think, injected a bit of excitement into the game when he came on a fault. I, I agree, but I just find his final product very frustrating at times. I mean, I agree, he did. And I was still, I was surprised that he didn't start the game. I was surprised that Flashes came in over him. I always think Ben Rama can make things happen, but a couple of times, his final decision-making, shooting poorly, not crossing when he should have, Delaying passing was frustrating, and you know Antonio. I love the guy to bits. So he's still churning out some quality performances. You know Leon Seville. Those games, for example, spring to mind where he's worked so hard. Everton, and and, and you know he's not scoring, but he's still playing well. But. Games like that are so frustrating when he doesn't take his chances and that. And I think you're right, Nick Pope. Nick Pope always, always has a good game at us to the point where I'd almost be tempted to try and say, let's try and sign him because he's a good goalkeeper anyway. And if he and, we, and if he sign him, and we've been linked and watched him many times before. If you sign him, it takes away the fact that he's going to have a good game against you again, unless obviously Burnley get relegated and he's in another division. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just 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 not taking our chances was so costly I think in that game yeah it was and um, you know some of those do like the feet of Antonio but I think when you look at his performance I think it was a symbolisation really of just how much this season has taken its toll, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a couple of times he was played through, and he seemed really quite slow. And he's never yeah, he seen slow. He he's never seen slow before. Um, mm. And I think that is just because the amount of games he's he's had to play in with no other alternative. Firstly, he can't be rested because there's no one else really. Second of all, the opposition know exactly what they're going to get. You, you know, when you play West Ham, they're pretty much going to play um, the same format with Antonio as the one forward. So you you learn how to play against him. Mm, you do. Interesting stat. West Ham have only won three of their 10 league games that have come directly after a European game. I mean, yeah. I think that, that does show that yeah. he's challenging to be physically and mentally ready for a Premier yeah. League game three days after the Europa League, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does show that. And it's often the way, isn't it? Teams that compete in the Europa League struggle in the league. I mean, we've probably done better than, than most, really, when you look at the table. But, yeah, it's, it is a sign. And it just shows that you can't have a squad that is this thin or a squad that doesn't have the players to step in to replace these players, you know. Like I, I believe Moyes is right to keep picking the strongest team because you need to try and win the the league games and you need to try and win the, the Europa League. They're just as important as each other. But the, the bottom line is other clubs would be able to bring in a player that they would say is unlucky to not be in that team, and this is their chance. Whereas the players, other than the keeper, really, and maybe the fullback, the players that are on the bench, you know is going to weaken the team, even if they're slightly fitter than the one that starts. And that's the problem. We don't have an alternative to Antonio that is on par with him. We don't have an alternative to Bowen that's on par with him, or Rice, or Suchek, you know, or the or the, the centre-backs that are currently fit now. You know, so it's that is the problem. Ultimately, that our squad doesn't have the depth of of one that can compete on all fronts. I mean, it's no surprise that you know 
um, Man City and Liverpool are competing in all in you know the FA Cup. Both got to the semis, both in the semis of the of the Champions League, both pushing for the title because they've both got the squads that can that can enable them to rotate. Well, mm. We haven't. Mm. Well, the patrons gave Man of the Match to Declan Rice with thirty two percent of the vote. Do you agree with that? Yeah, probably. It was hard to really pick a man of the match for that game because I don't think everyone was at their best, but Declan tried to make things happen and controlled the, the midfielder as per, I wouldn't say it was his best game, but compared to others, I thought I thought Dawson was solid as always. Um, I thought, you know, a couple of, I thought other players put in a shift, but probably, yeah, Declan, I think, deserved it. Yeah, I thought Deck played okay, but like you said, it wasn't one of his better games for West Ham. I was actually quite shocked to see that Creswell got only 2% of the vote. I thought he was really good, Creswell. Yeah, yeah, I thought he played well, and obviously he set up the goal from his free kick and stuff. Um, So, yeah, like I say, no one really played well. I mean, I, I saw someone debating... Well, it might come up in our section later, but the hammer of the year and, and people not giving it to Declan. So I saw it on Twitter. I don't see how that can happen again. Honestly, if he doesn't win it again this year, I, I can see that Bowen and Zuma and Dawson arguably have given him a push, definitely. But he just like, even on a day like this, when it wasn't his greatest performance, he's still the best player. And that happens most games. Like, I just think it, we expect so much of Declan now that he almost, he is still the best player when he's not had a great game if that makes sense mm, it does yeah I mean I still stand by the fact that I think the award went to the right person last year I know you disagree with that but oh, for me do. I think uh, I mean Tom deserved it uh, <laughs> by his performances alone uh, it's got lots of goals for West Ham fans and uh, I know X disagrees but fuck him <laughs> fuck him um, I love that no, he I, I, absolutely <laughs> hates me. It's brilliant. Yeah, well, He's a, well. he, can, he can form a midfield of hatred with Martin Allen. Him <laughs> a, <laughs> a centre midfield pairing that despise me. Oh, mate, can you imagine if you were playing against them? They'd fucking yeah, rip fuck it. Yeah, I'd be sliced in half in the first few seconds. <laughs> <laughs> but, mate, now on to one of the most memorable nights oh, yeah. Happy I think this club has ever seen. I mean, yeah. may we, may we. Uh, I am, of course, talking about our fantastic performance against Lyon. Which You've improved us. your French since well, France. Well, no, yeah, I, I, I downplay it, X, to be honest. I, I don't, I, you know, I don't want to be seen as a show-off. Um, but it, it was a result that saw us qualify for the semi-finals of the Europa League. And I want to repeat that sentence, X. Saw us qualify for the semi-finals of the Europa League. I mean, X... Where do we even start? It was a special night, wasn't it, mate? Oh, it was absolutely amazing, mate. I mean, it's you know, it's right up there in, in terms of West Ham experiences. I mean, West Ham winning 3-0 away from home at any place. You know, even the likes of Kidderminster is, is something. So we couldn't even do that earlier in the season. So the fact that we went into a Champions League quarterfinal against, a, a, you know, a decent French team, a hostile atmosphere, and we went and won 3-0, you know, it was such a professional performance you know everything about that performance was so spot on you know we sat back we weathered the storm for the first 10 minutes while their fans were all gunning for you know the victory and stuff we rode that 
got a little bit lucky with the post, but you need a bit of luck here and there. And then we just completely just styled it, hit them on the counter, outclassed them, took set plays well. And, you know, happy days. I mean, what an atmosphere, what a result. Yeah, just brilliant, mate. Absolutely buzzing. And like you say, semi-finals of the Europa League is something that I never thought I would see as a West Ham fan. So it, you just got to enjoy moments like this and what, you know, what an experience that has been. You know, I, I, when I look back on my life, really, and you make certain decisions in your life and you think you're not really sure whether they're going to be for the right or for the, for the wrong when you make those decisions, that decision that I made in about September time, that I was going to spend more time with my family, which ironically isn't really happening, spend more, <laughs> spend more time with my family, were, were help out at home more of the situation I'm under, try and make this full time with you and quit my nine to five job, which would have prevented me going yes. to European yes. games because, and it did. It stopped me going to the first three games because I worked up until up until the, uh, the Christmas in that job. So it stopped me going to the three the first three games. Had I still been in that job I would have not gone to Seville. I would have not gone to Leon. I would have not done half the things I've done. So I look back and I think, wow, you know, just having the Seville and the Leon memories proves that that was the right decision. Even if I go back into that job in a year's time, it was definitely the right decision to do this. And the fact we're now going to have Frankfurt thrown in as well, it's just amazing. If God, if we could get to that final and we could win it, fucking hell. I mean, it's just, I don't even know what to say, X. It's one of them, isn't it, where it's just incredible, literally incredible, where I think when we entered the Europa League, I think we all expected to qualify from the group. And yeah. I can't speak for everyone in terms of the expectations thereon. But, you know, you come up against Seville in the last round. That was always going to be difficult, given the history in the competition. We get through that. Incredible. What incredible memories that gave us. And then you're on to Leon, And it's funny, you know, because... When we was in Leon, I think we almost got a bit of an education about the club, mainly from taxi drivers, really, <laughs> yeah. wasn't it? It was, yeah. though, wasn't it? Yeah, and, yeah. and it was interesting to know a little bit about them because you can see in black and white before you went out there that they were struggling a little bit in the French division. I think they sort of flirting with mid-table, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, 8th, 10th again. Um, and they seem to have lost that bit of spark. But, you know, from what the cab drivers are saying to us, the town centre is where it all happens in Lyon and their stadium, as we drove past many a time in a cab, was literally just off the town centre, wasn't it? And I think it was a 40,000 capacity, but yeah. the owner then I think had delusions of grandeur and thought, like, we're a massive, massive club. We're not only going to compete in the Champions League, we're going to win it. So he then decides to build a new stadium about half hour away from the Leon town centre uh, yeah. at 60,000 capacity. And it is a lovely stadium, to be fair. But it just seems like the second he's done that, the whole squad just capitulates. And it seems like, you know, there's question marks over the attitude on some of the players, whether there's actual camaraderie that exists amongst the group. Um, and they've been hit and miss with their results. And you listen to these cab drivers going into the game and you think, fucking hell, we've got half a chance here. And then when you look at the game itself, it's incredible, really, isn't it? Because we actually had 33% possession. Yet, when you think of the now-biting stakes that are on the table, it was just so unbelievably comfortable. We actually fucking pissed it, didn't we, when you look at it? First 10 minutes were shaky. They hit the post. And I remember a cross coming in, probably from the winker, 
in terms of who it went to, and he fluffed his lines. Uh, but then after that, mate, we never really looked back, and I thought it was so comfortable, wasn't it? You know, the funny thing is, Leon won their match at the weekend, 6-1. Did well. they really? Yeah. I mean, they beat Bordeaux, who won from bottom, so it wasn't like greatest opposition, but uh, shows that on their day, they could they can be a very strong team. And like you said, they've got quality players in there. I mean, I think Dembele, despite being a winker, is a, is a, a quality player. They've got good midfielders, um, and they've got some strong players. But like you say, it, it, we just played so, so well. And it was interesting to hear their, their history and a bit about them whilst we were out there and see. Because like, like people know, we stayed in a hotel right next to the stadium. When we say right next to the stadium, both of our bedroom windows looked out onto the stadium. Um, mm. So it literally was as close to the stadium as you can physically get. But therefore, we know how hard it was to get into town. Because we had to get a taxi into town every, every time we, we wanted to. And it really sort of sort of disengaged the fans of the club a little bit. And, you know, in the early, it was the, was the early 2000s, they won the league something like seven years in a row. Yeah. Yes, they were yeah. before PSG got their sort of ridiculous amounts of money. They were literally the most dominant team in France not long ago, and you know the atmosphere was intense. You know it was it was it was it was hostile. You know we were in, drinking in the hotel before the game. We could see fireworks being thrown at West Ham fans. Tear gas was um, or some form of gas was thrown at fans as well. You know it was it was quite intense. You get into the stadium, they're all holding up their. Um, red, white, and blue stuff, and it, you know, it was a it was a difficult atmosphere to go into. You know, West Ham fans stuck right up in a corner behind the netting, and you hear about how the ultras are going to be getting us and all that stuff. It was it was quite intense, but the players managed to just switch off from that and just put in an absolute class performance. You know, every every player that played played well. There's not one player that you could you can say didn't, and and, I, and it was just a proud proud night, and and that sort of game really 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 helps put West Ham back on the on the world stage because people would have seen the Europa League results, they would have seen three 0 at Lyon, and they would have thought wow, and then they see us beat Seville as well. You know this is this is like increasing our global stature significantly, and if we can beat Frankfurt, you know that's going to be bloody interesting with their fans, but I don't know if you saw, but they pretty much took over the new camp. There was like loads of them there. There must be like 30,000 or something. And their fans have obviously already had it, already attacked us and stuff. So it's going to be an intense atmosphere there. That's why I think that home game is crucial. Getting a decent 2-0 lead into that game is really what we've got to be aiming for. And because uh, I think it's going to be really intense out there. But mate, it's, it's just happy days. I mean, I, I loved it. Our, our whole experience to Seville and to Leon is it's been amazing you know both cities great cities great atmosphere great experience and you know for the for the rest of my life i don't know how many times west ham are going to be in europe in the in the future but for the rest of my life i'll always remember these two games so fondly 100 mm, percent, mate i'm with you on that and you're right the hotel was ridiculously close and if you were there in leon you you'd know everything that we're talking about tonight but if you wasn't just to put you in the picture i mean fuck me the hotel was a stone's throw away because when the owner built that new stadium, he also built the hotel. So he also owns that hotel. And um, it was incredible because in the run-up to the game, um, I was actually having a few drinks in my room. My ex was downstairs in the bar. Uh, and I, I was just soaking up a bit of the atmosphere, just having some time to myself, just sort of thinking, wow, what a night, what an occasion this is going to be. Looking at all the fans in the concourse and, and just really trying to soak it in. Um, and then I get a text from X saying, 
literally, this is what it said. It said, uh, Dave, come down, it's kicking off. And I texted back saying, what the fuck do you mean by that? And he, he said, uh, it just literally applied fireworks. <laughs> I think, what, what the fuck does that mean? But as it happened, I think where you were drinking, maybe in the garden part of the hotel, you could see that fireworks were being thrown at West Ham fans, but I think one zipped fucking past you, didn't it? Yeah, or something it did. like that. They were throwing fireworks at the fans coming into the stadium, and yeah, one flew right just above our heads and went off. And then they, and I don't know what it was that they threw, but we watched a load of West Ham fans walking in, and then all of a sudden, someone like that, and then they were all holding their face and coughing, and people were throwing up and spluttering and stuff. So it was some kind of chemical, whatever it was. And I don't, I haven't read about any West Ham fans being seriously hurt from that so hopefully it was it was nothing major but yeah it was it was quite you know it was it was intense it was an intense atmosphere and then obviously i mean there's a question about this in the, in the final section so i won't say too much but you know you saw the scenes at the end of the game and you know the whole time we were out in leon we were told that the ultras were going to get us and stuff i mean we didn't see anything but apparently they, they targeted a few people here and there but it it the, the experience of these away days is just amazing because like we said before I've never been to Seville and I've never been to Lyon either I've been to France and Spain but never those places and you know West Ham's European tour is taking us to places that we probably never would have been to before as a man that likes his culture and his open bus tours this is great to actually <laughs> experience another city and to, to, to I mean I know we didn't win in Seville but still was part of a win ultimately um, and so it's just been such a great experience. I, I've, so, I mean, whilst obviously I'm loving it at the moment, I'm also jealous of other clubs that get to do this regularly, but then I'm thinking perhaps if they do it regularly, it's not as special. Whatever the case is, it is brilliant. The performance was so good. I mean, you've got you to gotta give special praise to people like Diop. You know, Diop hasn't barely played all season, massively um, criticised by many this year, came into such an important an intense game and played as well as he did and then you know Ben Johnson played at left back out of position out of his natural position I thought he had a great game you know Lanzini hasn't played um, as much as he would have liked to this season as well um, and had been shaken up with the with the car um, situation and you know he he's played well in it as well and you know it's just a it's just a, a real um, a real team performance brilliant yeah, it was, mate. It was. I couldn't believe it. I mean, when the first goal went in, where we were sitting, it was almost a, a couple of seconds worth of delay, wasn't it? I mean, it was unbelievable yeah. because I thought we'd hit the side netting and it weren't until the players were running off that we then celebrated. After well, it was really drop. weird. It was really weird because I saw it as a goal and I was cheering and I went to sort of jump into your arms or whatever, being the shorter one. And, uh, <clears throat> and you were just kind of standing there looking and I was like, yeah. but have I got this wrong? Yeah, and I, yeah. And I turned so I back and saw that they were all celebrating. I was like, no, definitely scored. And then you started to react. So, <laughs> so yeah, it, was really it was unreal. And then obviously when Dex scored, oh, limbs. pandemonium, limbs, yeah. exactly that, limbs. <laughs> and then obviously the third goal, it was just it was just incredible. And uh, I mean, going back to what you're saying about their, their ultras, the inverted commas, they obviously give it the big and left, right and centre. And going into this, it was publicly made aware that there was going to be three bars that West Ham were going to frequent during their time there. And they were the bars that, that Leon fans were going to target. I'm not being funny. It makes me laugh in hindsight. If you could have seen these fucking bars that Leon were talking about taking over, there were thousands of West Ham fans there. And a lot of them were fucking Larry and all and, and, and sort of, uh, you know, 
proper up on adrenaline. And, mate, it would be a fucking suicidal mission if any firm from any country would have gone near West Ham fans then. So what we later learned that they were doing, Leon fans, and a friend of a friend we know for a fact this happened to, was they were looking to pick off smaller numbers. Because obviously they didn't have the fucking bottle to do it in larger numbers. So they were looking at the smaller numbers. And one in particular... Uh, I'd just been drinking on a night out and then he broke away on his own. So no one else with him, literally on his own, walking back to his hotel. And then his car screeched up next to him. Four Leon fans jumped out and kicked the fucking life out of him. And I think, what's the achievement in that? Is that a statement? Do you know what I mean? Because the only statement I'm I'm seeing is that you've got four fucking cowards there kicking the shit out of one man on his own. And, And is this the famous Leon that we've all been led to believe publicly on social media that we have to give a wide birth to, that we should be scared about? Because I'll tell you what, in Leon, there weren't one fucking West Ham fan that were remotely bothered by him. Do you know what no, I mean? that was absolutely pathetic. All these pathetic, like pathetic. The only thing they fucking kicked the shit out of on mass was the fucking metal fucking fence that was in front yeah. of the netting at the end of the game. And they still lost to that as well. So it's an absolutely terrible. But like, I don't know what they think. I mean, if I'm a Leon fan right now, if I'm a Leon Ultra, I'm embarrassed by that. I'm embarrassed by all the threats they gave, the performance of their team, the fact their fans lost to a metal barrier at the end the fact they've set fire to their own stadium I mean <laughs> Jesus what an absolute embarrassment of a night Leon fans I mean I, I, I can't not that I want them to be successful in beating the shit out of West Ham fans but when you're going to talk the talk like they did and so fail to walk the walk then they deserve a bit of stick it was absolutely pathetic and you know we had no encounters of that all the people in Leon that we met from the taxi drivers to the to the restaurant we had our first meal into you know the bars that we went to etc etc Everyone was very welcoming and, and lovely and stuff. So these ultras need to grow up, grow up and just fuck off basically and do something else that they're more successful at, I would say. Yeah, totally. I'll tell you one thing that I do get flashbacks of as well is when we actually got into the stadium, again, atmosphere incredible from West Ham fans. And then we get greeted by a flight of stairs. Oh, and then we me. get greeted by another flight. Fuck, and another flight than Newcastle and another away. Flight. Mate, uh, well, that's instantly what I related it to. Yeah. Do you know what? We're walking up all these fucking stairs. And then I think we must have got to the fifth flight. And I saw these two fellas at the bottom of the next flight. They must have been in their mid-50s. And they were fucking puffed out. And they was having a break. And I thought, do you know what? I really need a break as well. But they've got to be in their mid-50s. I'm 38. I can't fucking go out like that. So I had to fucking dig deep, mate. And I mean, I, tell, I turned around to see where you were. You were further behind than I expected you to be. And there was a there was a real look of determination on your face. And I couldn't work out, I couldn't work out if you were psyching yourself for the game. Or but now I know it was to get up those to get up those stairs. Oh mate, I was fucked, honestly, absolutely fucked. And it, it, I did I did relate it to the Newcastle game. Fucking how many more fucking stairs are there? Yeah, ridiculous. So, Oh, mate, I needed a fucking iron lung by the time I got to the top uh, of it. And uh, I'm sure most fans up there that night can relate. And after, to that. after getting to the top, needless to say, fans in my seat again. It's the yes. fifth, fifth or sixth game in a row this has happened. What is it with me and my seat? Seriously, I go to Chelsea, guaranteed. So I'll be in my seat by the time I get there on, a, on Sunday. I sorted that out for you, though, didn't I? You did, you did. Very diplomatically. I was expecting a bit more. Yeah. Like, I don't know, but you got you got the job done, I guess. So well, that's just, the other I got the job done because, look, I'm not going to, you know, be aggressive from the offset because in the day, what the fella said was, well, someone's in my seat. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, you know, putting some understanding towards it, if with respect to him, and I, I don't know anything about him, if he ain't got the bottle, 
to take someone out of his seat. He has to sit somewhere. So he's not deliberately trying to spite us. He's just trying to watch the game. So yeah. that's where the diplomacy came from. I sort Fair of him, look, look, mate, I understand your situation, but if you sit there, where am I going to sit? And the bottom line is, these are our seats. And, and that's all there is to it. So you've got to go, mate. I said, I'm really, really yeah. sorry, but you have got to go. Yeah. And then we got our seats back. But yeah, yeah this whole did well. taking did other well. people's seats is... I don't get it, mate. It's a regular occurrence now. Mate, mate, honestly, I swear to you, I swear to you, last five or six away games, it's happened to me. And it's not like I'm sitting in the same place every time. You know, sometimes I'm at the front, sometimes I'm at the back, sometimes I'm on the side. It's happening every single game. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. It's frustrating, though, because I know people want to sit with their mates, but... The minute you move someone else into, you know, you take over someone else's seat, they've then got to do the same. Then they've got to do the same. And, you know, it's okay, like, if you're a 20-year-old lad or whatever. But, you know, for us, it's not great. But if you're, like, a 70, 80-year-old person, you're not going to want to fucking walk around the stand trying to find a spare seat, are you? So people no. just fucking stick to your own seat. At the end of the day, there's not when you're at an away game, there's not much difference in views anyway. You're all stuck in, you're all stuck in the same section, pretty much. So mm. just fucking get on with it and stop causing this fucking issue every time. I want to be able to walk into an away game, go to my seat and not think, oh, fucking hell, who's going to be in it this time? No, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but uh, do you know what, though, mate? Again, the whole trip was incredible. When it yeah, just like yeah. just like Seville was, and yeah. you just cannot beat these European away days. And uh, we went to an amazing restaurant on the first oh, night. Unbelievable! Didn't we? Oh, unbelievable! It's about honestly think on reflection. You know, I know I said it at the time, but I've had a, a few days to you know steady my emotions and stuff. Like I honestly think it's the best meal I've ever had out. Mate, it was honestly incredible. Think, it was yeah. incredible, and. Uh, and the funny thing was, when we actually went to this place, and credit to you because you found it, we couldn't find it when we was there because it was just a tiny little sign in the square above this shop that told you it was there. It took us about 10 minutes to find it. And when we buzzed in and got through, fucking it was as if we was being sex trafficked or something because it, oh, it was horrendous. It was horrendous. Did you, put, did you put that onto Patreon because you filmed there? No, yeah, no, I didn't. I probably should have. Yeah, should do. It was absolutely horrendous. I was thinking to myself, what have I got us into this time? Yeah, it was a shithole. Absolutely. That was shit awful. Hole. Yeah, yeah, no, no paint on the walls, concrete floor. And then you're greeted by this flight of stairs. You go up them, and then there was another concrete floor, and you think, fuck me, this is like the fucking stadium itself now. <laughs> um, and then you know, and you go up another flight of stairs, and you think, like, where is this place? It's awful. And then when we actually got to it, ultimately we found this gorgeous, romantic little setting <laughs> where we're probably the gayest straight couple yeah. that they have ever had there. I oh, mean, 100%. I mean, mate, we're... when we honestly, mate, when we sat down in a setting like that, you know, as you know, I speak basic French. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm sure I heard the couple behind say, the little fella's punching. Um, but... <laughs> that, was, that was my joke. I said that joke in the restaurant. <laughs> and I'm I said it. that. Ex- I'm I know. It. I said that exact joke. I just said <laughs> you know, I've overheard that couple over there. <laughs> People think you're funnier than me, anyway. Don't use my material. <laughs> well, the thing is, we're only stating facts. We're, we're just reciting what we heard. That's the bottom line. But it was incredible food. I mean, it was a set menu. And neither of us knew what the fuck we were doing. Let's be honest. You know, he brought the wine out and he 
Well, actually, what was quite interesting is typically I think you bring the wine out to the man to taste, and he actually put that in your direction. So that probably says more about me than it does you. <laughs> yeah. um, but in terms of tasting wine, I mean, fuck, it was funny because I was supposed. I think you're supposed to put it in your mouth and you and swirl it around a little bit, take the sense of the wine. You just fucking took one sip, regardless of what you actually thought of the wine. You just said, "Yeah, that's fine, mate." And then, yeah, mate. <laughs> that was the thing is, the, <laughs> the thing is, if me and wine, I'm not a connoisseur. I don't even really like it. You know, I drink it to get drunk, and that's about it. But um, so whatever he'd put in front of me from a white could have been a, a five pound or five euro bottle to a hundred euro bottle it would have pretty much taste taste the same to me. So uh, I even said to him, mate, there's no point. It's fine. Just just give us that. But he was like, no, no, you must tie. So <laughs> so almost like out of uh, like what's the word? Uh, um, hospitality, not that word, but I can't remember what the word. Politeness. I sort of said, yeah, okay, fine. And I pretended that it made like approve, but yeah. I would have said yes, whatever it was. To be honest. <laughs> If it was pure so, vinegar, you would have approved. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that was quite entertaining to watch, but uh, incredible food that place. Oh, unbelievable! It's the first time I've ever had caviar as well. This is the yeah. sort of quality of restaurant we're talking. That was the first thing we ate. I fucking loved it. I never thought I'd say yeah. that, but uh, yeah. yeah. And, it, and what was good about it was uh, it was like what maybe five courses possibly, but all sort of small. But every time they had it, they tasted so nice. There was such a difference in what the dishes were. And once you finished. They timed it perfectly within the transition between the courses, and the and the waiter spoke very good English. He was telling us about Leon and the food that we were eating, and yeah. there was a history about the building and stuff. And there was only six tables in there, so the fellow obviously, and he was the chef as well as the waiter. Yeah. He obviously makes enough that has such high quality food that he makes enough every night of those six to. 12 or whatever it is many people he has in there to, to be able to do it like that because it was a tiny little room wasn't it yeah it was it was he knew his apples that fella i gotta say he was born in yeah. plymouth but clearly a frenchman and he yeah. was coming over not just to us but to every table and having a good chat and getting to know us personally and vice versa so his hosting skills were brilliant and as soon as he was doing that like heck says he jumped straight in the kitchen with his pal cook up the next incredible dish and bring it back out. And we remarked to him at one point about the, um, well, we was being polite, really, about the uh, quirkiness of the building. Uh, in yeah. other words, what a fucking shithole it is, other than this yeah. little restaurant bit. And he yeah. said, he said, just before he went back to the kitchen, he said, I'll tell you a really interesting story about this building. And he came back and he told us a story. And it was fucking boring from memory. It was <laughs> shit story, absolute shit story. Uh, so that was a bit anticlimactic. But to be fair, I mean, the rest of the experience was brilliant. And talking about experiences with food, fuck me, it's a bit different from uh, the lunch we had the next day. Oh, gosh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, not going to want to talk about it. No, I'm not entirely sure how much we can say about this, but um, we it's from a politically correct perspective. But um, we we just got we just got the tickets, haven't we? So we got a bit of a buzz and it was like approaching what one o'clock or something like that and we we obviously had our city tour that we needed to get to yeah <laughs> all stressed getting a sweat was on. yeah always the focal point of any trip it's uh, or borderline <laughs> up there with the match for me so uh so yeah so we, uh, so, so we had that to get to so we thought right do you know what we actually do you know what on hindsight mate we turned down mcdonald's for this as well so i went mm. mcdonald's we would have known what we were getting and stuff so we went to this restaurant and i guess from the outside you know, signs were decent. There was tables outside. And to be fair, I think we should have noted the fact that no one was sitting on the tables outside the one we went in, but they were all sitting on the, the restaurant next door. If you remember correctly, looking back. Well, do you know what, mate? I, I think, to be fair, I know we live in a crazy time in 2022, but I think if we 
if we explain what we're talking about and why this is potentially quite delicate in the right way, I think we're within our rights to tell the story because it's it's basically about our experience in a restaurant. Um, at this point, we're absolutely buzzing with France and the food. So yeah. every single meal at this point is, you know, our mouths are watering. It's exciting. So we eventually find this place on the corner, like X says. I'm going to be honest, and X is going to argue this to his blue in the face. Little bit disappointed because X is shit up with French reading that he didn't pick up on what I'm about to say. But, <laughs> but mate, when, when people know the context, it's not something you're taught at school about, about France. And it's not the sort of thing that you're keeping your eye out for as well. So I'm not going to read every French side that's presented in front of me. No, I did, okay. I did find the I did find the menu and in the the plain black and white, what was written on the paper, you know, there was a decent range. There was from memory, something chicken, something beef, you know, the chili con carne, the usual stuff. So it looked from the outs from the outside that it, it would do the job. Well, okay. Now that's fair enough, but you've got to remember, we've gone from basically fine dining yeah. into the next exciting adventure where food's concerned. And think we found it in this little um, uh, corner restaurant. So we've gone in and, uh, you know, and I, I, everything we're about to say, hand on heart, I genuinely mean this with the greatest of respect. And I, it's very important I say that because people are very touchy about, you know, I suppose this sort of conversation and we're not taking the piss. We're just saying this was our experience, right? So we've walked in and we are fucking starving as well, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. And um, we've walked in and I think the best way to describe it is we're greeted at reception by... Uh, the reception manager who I think is fair to say mentally challenged. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. That's right. A, yeah, so yeah. so we, we've walked in, we said hello to him and then instantly I've said, right, I've got to have a wee X. I've ducked into the toilet. <laughs> but ducked out when it's going got hot. <laughs> Leaving me well, right in the frame. Well, well no, you, you say that. I think it got even hotter when I came out because <laughs> when I came out, X is now standing there with a woman. Right, <laughs> and uh, I said, "Oh, hello, uh, whatever," and this and the other. I think she was from was she from Holland? X from memory? Hung, hungry, hungry, hungry. Okay, close enough. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're chatting to her, and and uh, you know, I've walked out thinking, "Okay, has this conversation happened or whatever?" And then basically, before I've had a chance to converse with her, X has turned around to me and said, "Right, Dave, just so you know, I've just been speaking to this lady, and um, it turns out this restaurant." Uh, it's been created for a cause and it's um, it's run by disabled people. So disabled people manage it. They see you to your table. They cook the food. Um, they wash up. They do absolutely everything in relation to it. Um, and I, I was looking at you when you were saying this. <laughs> and, 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 and the thing is, it's nothing against the cause, right? Because let's be honest, it's a beautiful cause. If you're giving, you know disabled people an opportunity to earn a living I, I absolutely love it i buy into it but i'm still having flashbacks and dreams of the night before and and the, the cuisine that we were treated to and i've kind of now gone into this and i'm hearing what you're saying i'm trying to tell you with my eyes that maybe we should explore other options yeah, but you know but, what happened to me before that moment mate which you've missed out which made it even more awkward why i couldn't explore different options because before she'd come out the bloke like my French, we take the Mickey, but my French, I, I, I think I proved it. By the end, is a decent-ish enough standard that I can at least understand the, the a basic level of what yeah. the person's saying to me. It doesn't matter what they're saying, who it is. I can 
generally get the vibe. I mean, sometimes I can't understand what they're saying when people are drunk and they're, and it's great and they're talking too fast. I can't understand it. There is a basic level in a restaurant. I can understand it, but I couldn't understand a word what this bloke was saying to me. I was like really, really struggling, and I was trying to say to him like maybe speak a bit slower or you know try to like I might understand you. And I, as I'm saying that, the the manageress who you mentioned there walks over and goes, "Don't worry about him. He's disabled." And at yeah. this point, at this point, I hadn't clocked that he actually was. So I'm thinking, so I'm thinking, my God, that's really harsh. You know, I hope he doesn't speak English. You know, so I'm kind of a bit gobsmacked at how the manager's treating her staff at that point. Like, you know, so, so I'm still, it's still a bit like me and you at the events, head. isn't it? And someone's talking yeah. to me and they don't quite understand what I'm saying. And you say, don't worry about Dave, he's disabled. Yeah, right? it's you know, equivalent. It's yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing. So, so so we had this, but whilst me and X are having this conversation, he's relaying it on to me as to, you know, how the restaurant's set up. I've got this woman's eyes burning into me. I, I think just just on Tenterix looking for my reaction. So, you know, you don't know what it's like to be under that much pressure. And you know, X, I'm not a rude fella. No. I mean, you know, I don't want to prejudge, but again, I keep going back to the night before and now we're in a restaurant like this. Um, and I said, oh, okay, yeah, you know, and I said, oh, that's a lovely thing you're doing after X has explained all this to me. Oh, you know, good for you. You're an angel. And I try to butter her right up. And then she said, oh, so would you like a table then? No cunt in there as well, by the way. Yeah. So uh, we said, yeah, 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 okay, we'll have a table. And as we walk into it, well, fucking hell. And then um, uh, we said, but okay. Before that, she told me I had to cook my own food. Like, so her her English didn't translate very well. That's what I'm going to put it down to. I mean, her English was certainly better than my, my French. But she said to me, and now you pick your food. So I was like, okay. I was looking at all the... And they were, they were literally tubs, weren't they? Tubs on a shelf. Oh, and I was like... And I was Which like, we you... didn't notice when we walked in, by the way. No, exactly. They're, they're like, you pick your own food. So I'm like, oh, my goodness. So, and she said, and then you cook it. And I was like, and I said, well, I cook my own food. <laughs> and, and bearing in mind, I can't cook anyway. And she was like, you pick your tub and you cook your food. And I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah, but once we got past the fact that we realised you didn't have to cook your own food, what we then realised was, and now we didn't notice it, I don't know, was behind where we were talking to this woman was just rows and rows of food that had been pre-cooked. And... We said, okay, we'll have uh, two chili con carne things. We thought we'd play it safe. And they're in these um, tubs. Like, if you've ever seen a Yankee candle, for example, it's in a tub like that, a glass tub like that. Um, and then, you know, um, our man that we met first time round, when we took our seats, he brought it out. And I just, look, it's nothing to do with the sort of scenario we face with, but he's brought it out. And I, I, I don't know what part of them thought this would be a good idea, but in the middle of the restaurant, they put a fucking microwave. And so he's brought these two tubs of pre-made chili con carne out and he's dinged them in front of us. So he's put them in for a minute at a time or whatever, and then brought it over and just put this fucking jar on the plate. And your plate was absolutely sopping wet with fuck knows what. <laughs> um, so we put the jars down and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be honest, it's the worst fucking chili con carne I've ever had in my life. There was no flavour. How long it had been there for, I don't know, because all the rice was congealed and then started to form its own sort of And jelly. you shouldn't really reheat and heat rice anyway. It's the worst thing you could Oh yeah. Do. Well, especially when you think of how long it potentially has been on that shelf. Yeah. And and what made it worse? And like bless her art, you know, like you know, to, to create a restaurant like that and give people jobs is fantastic. Yeah, but yeah. she's fucking staring at us the whole time yeah. in the corner. 
And like we, we try and have a bit of banter with the fella that's serving us, and uh, you know that was challenging in in itself. But when when it looked like I, I, don't just, remember, I just remembered what you did, I'm not sure if we can repeat well, that. But... No, no, it's not that. Basically, what had happened was he came over and in sort of broken English, mainly French, when he brought our beers over, he he basically said, you know, it, what he said was, but in French, most important part, and laughed, and it was the beers, and I don't know why I did it. But I, I because I can't speak French. I just I tried to humour him and banter with him and say, uh, yes, yes, we, oui, we. Oui. And I picked up the um, the beer and went go 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 go. <laughs> and why I did that, I don't know. I, I fucking morphed into Popeye for a few I, seconds. I just literally thought, what the fuck? <laughs> I know, but but then and, and people can't see my face now. But then the woman over the road is 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 looking at me as it would say, oh, you know, bless you, you know, sort, sort of. A, for sort of humouring him and making him feel good and all that. And uh, it's all well and good. Like, conceptually, I'm happy to do my bit. And as I know you are, Rex, as well. Oh, yeah, I love um, the idea of it, definitely. I mean, I love the idea me. of giving... But the food was so fucking bad. And and unbelievably, and I think salt was your best friend, really, on that table. Because oh, you'd God. finished yours. I poured, um, I poured half a tub of salt into it. That was well, that's idea. it. But, but my, I couldn't do that on mine. And mine just had no flavour whatsoever. So I left half of mine. And I just know, I just had a gut feeling because she was on a sort of fucking time, this woman. But like, I respect her for what she does. But fucking hell, like, stop being so intense. And then uh, when we was getting up to go, by the way, 50 euros she charged us for those two <laughs> pots of chili con carne and two fucking beers. So, you know, whilst it's a charitable... Coke, and the Coke that tasted like beetroot or something. It was organic. Yeah, I, I think they might have made the fucking Coke as well, to be honest. Um, but, you know, we paid the bill, which I thought was generous uh, amount of money, in all seriousness. Then she had the front to fucking pull me on why I didn't finish my dinner. Like, she's, she's challenging me now, like I'm having a pop at them. I was like, oh, what, what's wrong with the food? Like, why haven't you eaten the food? I don't know, take it back a little bit. I said, oh, no, it's, you know, it's because I'm full up because I've eaten earlier and all that. I thought it was having a full-blown fucking round now. And I don't want to be horrible. I don't want to be horrible. But, you know, given the fact there was no other fucking person in there, could I go as far as to say pretty fair play to us that we... You know, we didn't say no, it's fine, you know, and look for another restaurant. We still had a fucking go and ate the worst food I've ever had in my fucking life. So I'm not up for having a round now, that's why I've left off it. You got your 50 fucking euros, don't push your luck. And I ate all of mine and then felt sick for the Yeah, you did, you did. You I, did. There, was a, like, there was about a period of about three or four hours afterwards, which is generally the sort of time food poisoning comes <laughs> after. <laughs> and, I, and I was a bike, uh, as we were approaching, needing to get ready to go to the game, my stomach starts going, <laughs> really making some strange sounds and stuff like that. Yeah, so, yeah, I know. And, I had to and, dose up on a medium before I went yeah, to Yeah, I know. And listen, like I say, you know, I know this is a delicate subject, and I know this conversation probably isn't going to sit well with people, and I hope we've been as respectful as possible. But, you know, when you're eating on your table, you're surrounded by these gigantic fucking photos of everyone that works there and what's wrong with them and and what they're responsible for in the kitchen. And I'm just saying, I don't know. It's like, you know, yeah. I mean, it weren't it weren't the greatest lunch experience. We've I, had. I I love the idea of what she's doing. Like, don't you, I think it's oh, amazing. So do I, so do yeah, I. I know you do. I know you do. I know you do. And it's an amazing, amazing thing. I just you know, don't think I should can... push it on you all the time. Be a bit more discreet about it. You know? Yeah, or, like, or at least make it's the, in your the, face all the fucking. There's time. no reason that they couldn't have cooked. You know, a, a nice meal there. I mean, it, when we're talking about the disabilities of these people, I mean, they weren't. You know. Oh. 
completely incapable of doing anything, weren't they? I mean, they just had like autism and things like that. So it wasn't like they couldn't do it. I don't know why they didn't actually just cook the meals. Like ba- basic level meals, I just cook them there and then. You know, I know it would take a bit more time, and I guess there's probably more health and safety risks with like, you know, hot pads and stuff. But I don't, I think the fact that, the, I think the, the thing that let it down most, because if it had been a lovely meal, I'd have loved it. I'd have been buzzing that we'd contributed to something like that and had a lovely meal and stuff. Mm-hmm. I just don't think sticking a tub of food on a shelf, it wasn't, it wasn't even a refrigerated shelf. No, it wasn't. Uh, it, it wasn't. Had, You're it right. Was a, it was a shelf. Yeah. Um, sticking a tub of food on a shelf and saying, pick which one you want and then we'll stick it in the microwave and being so bloody obvious about the microwave was in it was in the eating part still why is the microwave not in the kitchen you wouldn't i, I mean i think you would have probably guessed but you wouldn't have known 100 percent that it'd been in the microwave if it had been you know and even just like rather than just giving you the tub and putting it on your table just do what i did and pour it out of the tub and put it on a plate you know yeah, like that, exactly. that is surely that could be capable of being done and it would have just given a bit more of a, a like a I don't know, a proper dining experience to it rather than almost like almost like making it obvious that it was, you know, something different, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. It does. Um, let's move on and talk about the open top city bus tour that we've done. Where does yeah. that rank for you? Not not because obviously the ones you've done with me, it was only Seville, but in your life you've you've done a fair few. Where does that yeah. rank for you? Um I guess I don't think it was the most interesting one I've ever been on, possibly because Leon isn't the most interesting of cities in terms of its relevance in history. And like, you know, it's not a it's not a London or it's not a Rome or a you know a Berlin or you know, somewhere like that. It's not it's not that relevant in terms of like world history and culture and stuff. But and what I liked about it was that the bus went quite high up and looked down onto the city at certain points, didn't it? So from a visual perspective, I thought it was very good. It was a you know, really good city. I think we pretty much saw Thaw of Leon, which was good. I don't think there was much more that we could have seen elsewhere that we didn't. Um, in terms of the information, it was a great, but at the end of the day, as I always say, these city tours, you know, people take the piss, but you can get those buses for like what, 15 euros it lasts for two days. You can just jump on and jump off whenever you need it. Not that we do, but you also learn to see that when you're only there for three days or two days, learn about the city you're in. And now I don't feel like I ever need to go back to Leon. I feel like I've seen all of Leon. I know what it's about. It's the gastric um, uh, capital of the of France. It's like got loads of high quality restaurants that we experienced on our first night there. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, and I know about the stadium, I know about the, the importance of the river, I know about certain things. It's the third biggest city um, in terms of population in France behind Marseille and, and Paris. So I learned enough to, to keep me entertained and I've seen enough of Lyon for it to be worthwhile. But yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the best when I'd been on. Mm. Yeah, I know. I, I don't think it was as good as Seville from my own perspective, but um, I think the game of Salou helped a little bit. Yes, that was brilliant. Oh, that was so funny at times. So, have you put that on Patreon? Yes, that's on. Oh, have you? I haven't actually yeah, seen pe- that. People well, have enjoyed that, I think. I have. I need, to, I need to get back and check on Patreon because I haven't seen anything that you posted over, over the time we were there. So, yeah, that was so funny, some of those. <laughs> but, I mean, the game itself going back to it was just incredible for every single West Ham fan that was there or watching it at home. But what was equally as incredible was that Frankfurt had beaten Barcelona at the new Camp. So, you know, 
it's incredible, really, because going into the game, we're all dreaming of a semi with Barcelona. Now we're dreaming of Frankfurt with a semi. You know, I, I, I wasn't <laughs> expecting a trip to Germany, was you? No, I wasn't. Well, so much that so I've got a flight to Barcelona. It's just going to go to waste. Unless, uh, unless any patrons want to take me up on it. But two, two flights to Barcelona from from Stansted on Ryanair, going on the Wednesday, going back on the Friday. If you want to get in touch, well, at the moment, they're just going to go to waste. So you have to pay for your name change and stuff. But if anyone wants to do that, they get in contact with me. Um, but yeah, so much that so we had, had it out, had it booked. And uh, now we don't need it. And it's, I wasn't going to say it's a disappointment because in some ways I think we could we you know I'm less likely to ever go to Frankfurt again than I am Barcelona in the sense that I might just go and watch a Barcelona game regardless of whether West Ham are in it so I'm not disappointed in that respect but <clears throat> of course it'd be amazing to have seen West Ham play Barcelona it really really would so there's an element an element of disappointment that isn't them but that said you know you could argue that it's, it's probably better to face Frankfurt because I know they beat Barcelona, but really they should be more to our standard than Barcelona should be. I know that completely contradictory because it was them that beat Barcelona. But I think we've just got a massive chance of winning this. We really have. I mean, we shouldn't fear any of the teams remaining. I mean, Leipzig are a decent German team, but even if we get them, we should we should fancy our chance against anyone. So it is a, a strange twist of events. Um, but yeah, we are off to Germany instead of instead of Spain again. So, but as I said, I've been to Barcelona before. I've never been to Frankfurt, so it's another another city to add to the to the global domination. It is, it is, and it's funny, you know, because when we got news that Frankfurt were beating Barcelona, you jumped on your phone, didn't you, and tried to get yeah. the, the tickets a bit lively, and you got all the way, and for the first time, it's a fucking flight from Stansted as well, because obviously I live near Stansted, so do you. We have to drive past the fucking airport to go to Heath Road, don't we? Yeah. It's a bit of a ball lake so far with the last two trips, but we actually nailed Stansted, and we got to the, the basket, and then pay now, job done, whilst we're in the stadium, by the way, to try and get ahead of the game. And then it just crashed and it booking process, booking process, booking process. And um, and it just wasn't the case. And it was a bit frustrating, really, because you think every other West Ham fan are doing exactly the same, which is understandable. Um, but yeah, I don't know. The bottom line is we're there. Frankfurt, not the most appealing city on the planet, but it's another experience that I can't wait to do. Um, and I just think going back to, you know, the game itself and after the game more so, Obviously, we're all there, all the fans. Um, we just won. We're all buzzing. I think tired from adrenaline. I don't know about anyone else. Fucking gasping. So thirsty. Probably on the back of the adrenaline as well in the night air. And then it was brilliant because I mean, we were held for 90 minutes. I mean, that's the equivalent of watching another game of football. But we were held back for 90 minutes because of the Leon fans. Didn't let us out for an hour and a half. Um, but then some of the players came out sporadically, didn't they? Including Deck. And then, uh, you know, he, he managed to shush down three, four thousand West Ham fans and then you could hear a pin drop and then all of a sudden he's gone, West Ham are massive everywhere yeah. we go and then we sang along which was brilliant, really good banter and then he went back in and then there was a lull and then people are trying to entertain themselves or whatever because it's getting a bit tedious at this point but then do you know what one thing that happened that I thought was a really special moment and possibly, aside from the result the most special moment of the night was when Moisey came out on his own and he, he came out on his own. There was no one else with him. He came out on his own and he applauded the fans. And then the we've got super David Moyes chance happened. David Moyes' Claret and Blue Army. And it, I don't know, there was a real, I think, moment of appreciation 
between those fans that were there that night and him on the pitch. And he felt that. He felt that. He, he, he was looking up and he was applauding and he was soaking up the atmosphere. And I think it was a real special moment, I think, for the fans that were there that night to make him feel special. Because if anyone should feel special about the two seasons that we've had, it's him. And I, I just felt that whilst the banter was great with Derek and all that kind of stuff, the moment Moisey came out and we had that connection directly with him, I don't know, there was something almost quite spiritual in that moment. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I totally do. No, 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 I totally do. There's been quite a good, um, quite a good bits of footage on um, social media and the West Ham website and stuff of it. And I think you're right. He came out, and it was just him, and it was just him and us, and it was our chance to really sort of show him the appreciation that, that we have for our new sort of status and the fact that we've got as far as we have. And I think you know previous managers well have done well. You know, Allardyce he never got. Big Fat Sam's current Blue Army, you know, Pellegrini never really got it. Not that he did that well for us, but it's been a while. The last time I can really remember it is Harry Redknapp, really. Alan Pardew might have got it a little bit, but not consistently. That sort of David Moyes, Cameron Army, and you know, we've got Super David Moyes, and there's actual specific chance about the manager now, and it's thoroughly deserved. And I think you're right, it was a good moment for us and him, for us to show our appreciation and for him to reflect upon what he's actually achieved with us. And you know, it's it's amazing, really. I mean, you, you, you keep forgetting, but how far we have actually came, you know, we've come hugely since when um since when he took over he saved us from relegation twice and then he's given us um you know european football this season a strong strong chance at a minimum of getting european football again next year possibly the champions league if we win the europa league our first silverware in over 40 years i mean people don't talk about his success highly enough in my opinion mm -hmm. i know west ham fans are getting there but when you talk about the greatest manager in our history yes he hasn't well i'm not saying great special history yet that'd be that would be over the top but when you talk about achievements if he if he can win the europa league um which he's only effectively two matches away from now, three games. If he can win the Europa League, that's got to be up, put him right up there. It's got to, because, you know, John Lyle won two FA Cups with us and got us promoted, but he also got us relegated over a large period of time. Um, you know, Ron Greenwood, again, won, won the European Cup and the FA Cup and stuff, but was was um you know had the likes of Hurst, Moore and Peters within the squad you know and, and inherited them but Moyes has transformed players to play like this you know he's got De obviously Declan but he's made Declan as good as he is you know don't don't get me wrong Declan was probably always going to be this good but it's also been helped by Moyes' management you know Ogbonna for years we thought he was done Antonio we've had chats on this show three or four years ago that we should sell Antonio yeah. Cresswell Cresswell's still doing a, a job for us at left back you know Lanzini's still performing Anatovic when he was here yeah Anatovic Fabianski whilst I think he was questionably at fault for the goal on Sunday. Um, has, has got back to got back to better form this season, you know. And, and and he's managed to get you know other signings like Bowen and Shafau uh, and so on. Dawson, I mean Dawson is got to be one of the best signings. Oh, we've made unbelievable, Ballon Dawson. Yeah, exactly. And so he he thoroughly deserves the credit. And yes, it is a little bit premature to be talking about him as being one of our greatest ever managers. If he wins the Europa League and gets us Champions League football, you know, then he has to he has to be considered up there. He has to. Yeah.
He has. And you talk about showing your appreciation to someone on the pitch. And something we didn't mention earlier was seeing Carlos come out. Yeah. I mean, how amazing was that? Carlos yeah. Tevez, back yeah. amongst West Ham fans. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, he doesn't speak English, does he? He managed to come on your irons. Yeah. But fucking hell, to see that man back yeah. on a pitch in front of West Ham fans. That was special, wasn't it? That uh, was brilliant. I loved it. I mean, I kind of suspected it was going to happen because he was at, Man- at the Man City game. Um, I don't know if you saw he was at the Man City-Liverpool no, game. No, I didn't. Yeah, he was in the fans of the Man- with Man City in a... In a- in their colours, not in an actual kit, but in light blue and stuff. And he was, he got a good reception there. And I kind of thought in my head, I wonder if he'll come to West Ham on a Sunday. Now that he's in England and stuff. And, you know, when I saw there was pictures of him that he was on his way to the ground, I thought they've got to get him out of the pitch. If they don't get him out of the pitch and they've missed a huge opportunity. And it was great to see him because obviously he's never been back um, in a non-playing role. He's obviously played against us for Manchester United and Manchester City and done across irons each time that he has but he's never come back as a as a you know non-opposition player so to be able to see him get the round of applause that he got and show him that he was only really at, he was only at the club for us well less than a season because he joined in a, a, at the end of the deadline day didn't he so he missed a few mm. games at the start so he was at the club less than a season technically didn't really have a huge impact until he got that first goal against Spurs which is what in March time or whatever it was and then it like completely kicked on for him I mean he was still he was still playing well before that goal against Spurs but in terms of goals so his actual time at West Ham was very short but he managed to win Hammer of the Year in that time pivotal pivotal in us staying up that year and uh, yeah great to see him and I always remember Carlos Tevez very fondly Mm, yeah, he's looking really well as well, yeah. Carlos. So it was great to see him. Beard. But, I mean, to uh, go over the top of his looks, I think he looks a lot more stylish <laughs> nowadays than he did when he was a player. Yeah, he does. He does. Now, it was really, really good to see him. And going back to Leon, it was so funny because, like I say, we'd been kept back 90 minutes. I mean, fuck me. If we'd have lost the game, we'd have oh, kept back God. 90 minutes. It could have been horrendous. I mean, it'd be kicking yes. off left, right and centre. But everyone yeah. was buzzing, let's be honest. And there was a lot of funny chants going around and lots of West Ham songs. And then... You know, intermittently there were players coming out, and then, like I say, Moisey came out. But it's really funny. I know it's coincidental, <laughs> but we was there for ninety minutes. Like I say, chant after chant after chant. We're fucking wondering when we're going to be let out, and people, despite buzzing, are getting a little bit restless. And all of a sudden, everyone's saying. Leon's a shit. Oh, I want to go home. And the fucking gates opened up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Literally, <laughs> as we say, it was brilliant. And what I also like, another child that didn't get, uh, we haven't mentioned, was the au revoir, au revoir, au revoir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That went up even stuff. more, didn't it? It's brilliant. Yeah, exactly. It was so brilliant. So good, so it good. It was so funny. And then when we finally were released, fucking hell, we were out on the streets walking, well, the very short walk back to our hotel. And then all of a sudden, we see this car coming out the car park, don't we, X? Yeah. And, you know, you, you know, the ones that are, um, you know, in the fluorescent jackets and they sort of move the metal gate back to let the car come out. I don't know what happened. I don't know if he didn't remove it quick enough or he moved it back and clipped the back of the car. Something happened where he caught the car with a fence. It was clearly a, a, an accident. The geezer stops in his car, gets out, starts shouting at him. The fella who made the mistake of putting the gate against the car, straightway put his hands up and he was apologising left, right and centre. This geezer just fucking irons him out, doesn't he? Just knocks him clean out. And then we see all this old build because there were fucking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. They all fly past the geezer that's ironed him out to see if this fella that's been knocked out is all right. 
and they just let the other geezer go. And unbeknownst to me at the time, and maybe it's my eyes, but it, it became apparent that the geezer that ironed him out was old Bill, wasn't he? Yeah, he's so he probably the, he, just finished his shift and he, he, he came had. out and. He had, and that's why I was getting so wound up about it, because you, usually out of the two of us, that would be you that was more up for it than me, but I, I was the one that was going over and saying, that's fucking out of order. You, you need to, like, say to the French police, you need to fucking arrest him, blah, blah, blah. And you would say, oh, come on, X, just leave it, just leave it and stuff, and yeah. trying to get me back. But I thought it was appalling. It was blatantly, the, the guy that got ironed out must have been, uh, I don't know, at least 55, I would say, looking at it. You know, he didn't mean to do it. He was going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And this bloke who I would guess is probably late 20s, early 30s, got out and literally just one punch completely knocked him out. And he fell right back, crashed into the floor. And, you know, that's the sort of stuff you hear people dying from. And then the French police just ran in, ran right past the fucking guy that had done it, let him get in his fucking car and pretty much drive off and all ran to see that the other bloke was okay. So they blatantly knew it was uh, their colleague, what their colleague had done and didn't want to fucking, you know, snitch on him or whatever. And they just let him get away with it. It was just disgusting. I was like shocked by it. Yeah. Madness. Absolute madness. One rule for one, eh? But do you know what? Collectively speaking, an incredible few days though. And this European campaign has already given us so many memories and long may it continue. And speaking of long may it continue, I see I'm back on top. Oh, I thought, I thought we could get away with this. There's so much to talk about. Mate, you went about you went about four months not talking about this when I was winning because you decided that the fans were bored of it. it was now, all of a sudden, now. That's why I was now always going to talk about the running, of course, like regardless. Oh, yeah, right. If I was 500 <laughs> points ahead, this would never be mentioned. And let's just have it right. We, If it wasn't for Newcastle scoring with the last kick of the fucking game. Predicted it, mate. Predicted it. I would have been. I would have been over 50 points ahead of Dave, but shock. Yeah. As, uh, as we can sell, the luck's turned. Luck, Dave's going to win it because God's decided Dave's going to win again with his luck. So he's now getting goals in last minute that are deflected into the bloody box. A guy comes flying in with a diving header right and changes it from being one all, which is what I had, to 2 1, which is what Dave had. As a yeah, fucking saw it a mile off. So the, gods of, the, the gods of conspiring again, and I just I've I've given up. You've won anyway, uh, mate. Like if buts and maybe's, if my brother would have bur- was a birdie, be my sister. I've said it to you before. You know, it's I saw it coming. Newcastle relentless at home, good form, and I thought they'd put it on them till the death, and they did. And uh, even in ninety fifth minute, I thought they were going to score in a minute because I called it. Um, and it <laughs> you was... did it because you didn't even know the fucking score until I texted you, you liar. <laughs> you just admitted that before we came on air. If it wasn't for me texting you, my rage. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I will be honest. I didn't, I, I didn't know. But do you know what? Uh, the bottom line is, as it stands, I'm 24th with 3,203 points. X is 32nd with 3,167. Big shout to Tom Ed. I mean, fuck, you know, he's oh, he's that is ridiculous. It's I don't ridiculous. know how he's doing it. It's, it's outrageous. No. He's in first place with 4,120 points. Second is Chris Stone with 3,731 points. It's quite a golf there. I don't That's know how huge. He's doing it. If he hasn't put money on betting this year, then he's a very silly man because he'd be absolutely minted with the amount of things he's called right. It's this, incredible. This yeah. yeah. And, um, in third place is Gary Prince with 3,563. He's always been knocking around. Always. Uh, always yeah. there or thereabouts, to be fair. Yeah. He's, he's a regular. And he's followed by Dave Bushell 
in fourth with 3,505 points. And another one, another regular that's always there or thereabouts, Jay Sayward-Jones is in fifth place with 3,474 uh, points. So incredible, incredible. It's getting exciting now. No, it's not. <laughs> but to be fair though what is it 40 between uh, 40 points between us isn't there's nothing in it really that's one prediction in it so i'm not i'm not getting carried away to be fair right i've spent most of this season being fucking miles behind you and i've made a real go at it on the home stretch so i'm just thankful to still be in it so i'm not counting my chickens just yet because we're one one result away from it being all changed but i'm happy to be in this position let's just say that <laughs> I was expecting a response from you. Other no, than I, I can't. I can't. I can't give you any response other than you scare me. You just scare me. Honestly, like I don't know how you do it. It's just like. How can you be jammy over a fucking 33 game period? Because you know how many games have you predicted where there's been a goal in the last minute? Like, yeah, that's how that's many... all part of the game, mate. You know, you can't argue with the black and whites of it, can you? At the end of the day, that's football. And as you've always said, especially when I was about 300 points behind you, football now is apparently more predictable than it's ever been. That's, I said that when no, you no, had no, that. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, uh, West Ham fans, I said, <laughs> I said, I said this when um, we hadn't had loads of games cancelled for COVID, but oh, again, right, yeah. season, that's happened quite frequently, so it's not as, let's wait till next year when there'll be no games. <laughs> oh, next then, year, right, right, then, right. But okay. then we've got the World Cup in the middle of the season, which is <laughs> not normal either. That'll so, be the next uh, excuse. Yeah, we'll have to wait for the season after, so it doesn't really start until two. 2024, 25 season, I think. I will say this though, mate, and I think I'm stating the obvious. Pressure's on you. I don't feel any pressure no, at all. I mean, I'm, won... I'm the Alex Ferguson to your Kevin Keegan. At no, this point. I've already won fantasy football again this year. Yeah, so but, there's always mate, one I trophy already. Mate, I can't give you it. I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to. But I can't. I don't play it. Yeah, because you don't win. That's why. So I've already got. I've already got the FA Cup tied up. It's just the league now that I've got to go for the most important one. Yeah, now I see what you're saying. Well, it is uh, probably the most important one, but I've still no, got the league. I'm so, talking about. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but I've still got silverware, so I'm still done a decent <laughs> season. Silverware in a competition no one else is competing in. No, five right. like, five million <laughs> that don't think it's a joke. Like you do. <laughs> I love it. Oh, please God. Please keep me with this lead and see that I'll win this competition because oh, God, whilst I don't want to see a friend suffer, I can't help but think this is going to be as funny as fuck if it, it, won't if it be ends funny. up with me winning for a third year in a row. It row. won't be funny. Oh, be more, my God. It'd be more funny if I won it. Look, listen, the, the people <laughs> the people surely don't want you to win again, surely. Because that, the, the arrogance right. and the bragging would be off right. the mix. For, for comedy value alone, I'm surely people want me to do it this year. No, it'd be for, interesting. For the banks, if nothing else. It'd be interesting to put a poll out to see. <laughs> <'cause>, uh, because <laughs> hopefully people have got heart. They'll want me to win. If they see the, 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 the what, if they look for the good and the good the good to prevail over evil, then it should be, <laughs> they should, it should be voting for me. Um, but, I, but to be fair, I think West Ham fans are a sick bunch. They'll probably want your <laughs> twisted victory to happen. Well, 
Remember what he called you, West Ham fans, when you make a decision on that poll. Remember what he just called you, and this is recorded, okay? I'd never call you sick. I think Royal Family, to be honest. And I'd do anything for you, as I'm sure you would do for me. X has just called you sick. So just all I'm saying is just keep that in mind. And, and, and the thing is, I know full well that I'm not going to get this edited out. Had it been the other way around, <laughs> yeah. this section would not have made the final cut. But I don't edit the podcast, so yes, I did. But it was all in jest, West Ham fans. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like an English suit check towards you. Yes, I did. It was only just West Ham fans. Whenever I hear the phrase West Ham fans, I think of you in suit check. <laughs> I know, I, I get tweeted that a lot, you know. Every yeah. time suit check does an interview in any capacity, <laughs> I just get tagged it saying I can't watch him without thinking of Dave Walker's voice. Well, did, you, did you see what he said at the weekend? Because obviously he scored. He said something on the lines of, and I'm not going to do the impression justice but he said of course yeah it was nice to score but 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 but, but, but we didn't get the three points so well, that's what West Ham fans want <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> something along those lines anyway but... oh brilliant brilliant right okay it's that time again To listen to the rest of this podcast, you need to be a patron of the West Ham Way. Becoming a patron couldn't be easier. Just visit www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash the West Ham Way and confirm your subscription to get full access to the West Ham Way podcast, our second weekly show called the West Ham Way podcast, Extra Time, classic clips of audio and video interviews, exclusive news from X, match day team news before anyone else, an exclusive forum, live Q&As with myself and X, monthly prize draws, discounts on events and merchandise and behind the scenes content, all of which for just £5 a month. Hello. This is Hey Dude Shoes. This is an ad. But not for your ears. For your feet. Are they listening? Good. Hey Dude Shoes are the squishiest, airiest, lightest go-to shoes you'll ever have the pleasure of introducing your toes to. So light, a butterfly could steal them. So soft, kittens seethe with jealousy. So cushy, your hands will curse your feet for all the love and attention. Toes, you've hit the jackpot of comfy. Hey Dude, good to go to. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a drama coach to be an IT guy. Yeah, I'm having trouble logging in. I'm not buying it. Say it again. This time with feeling. I can't log in? Come on, man. I want to feel your struggle. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Now, like your life depends on it. I can't log in. Yes, we'll make an actor out of you yet. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.